Good morning, Rock family. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. So, as Brandy said, I have actually two testimonies in the women's life group. So, you're going to, if you want to take the time to go back and do those, that would be great. But today... Uh, Rachel has asked me to share one specific portion of my testimony. Holy Spirit, we ask, Lord, for you to flood this place with your presence and bring every angelic being with you that you have assigned for today. So I have um, a pre-born memory when I was in heaven before I was conceived. So that's what I want to share with you today. <clears throat> I know. <clears throat> so my memory is this. Um, I was in heaven. Now, you know when you're in heaven, and you may or may not know this, but when you're in heaven, you're outside of time. And when you're in heaven, you can see the beginning of creation to the end at the same time. And so I'm going to speak to you in the, in the frame of time to make it clearer for you, but there's no time in heaven. So it was the day that I was supposed to be conceived, and the Father called me. And I am looking at this vision um, and in the vision at the same time. So I see myself as a three-year-old little girl with long, blonde ringlets. That's exactly the way that I looked when I was three years old on the earth. And I came to the Father, and I was excited, and I couldn't wait to see where I was going. And he showed me where I was going, and I said, no, God. You can't send me there because they won't love me. They are going to abuse me, and they're going to try and kill me. And so my spirit at that moment turned away from the Father as I was conceived. So fast forward to 1979, and I accepted Jesus into my life. And Jesus became, Jesus became the person of the Trinity that I could trust. And I walked with Jesus until uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1987, but the father was still not part of my life. Holy Spirit and Jesus walked with me until 2002 when I went back to Virginia and jumped headfirst <laughs> up to my eyeballs, I should say, in the heal to get my healing. I didn't know until I started my healing walk how really bad I was how really broken I was, 
how really angry I was. I didn't know that there was anything wrong with me. It, was been, it had been my whole life. It was exactly who I'd always been, and I thought I was normal. But I was far from normal. So as the Holy Spirit started to do the healing in my life and bringing specific memories back to me um, and healed every time we went to a memory, we were able to work through it and heal it. And that's when the Lord showed me the memory from heaven. And when I saw it, I, I couldn't understand, I couldn't understand it as a 50-something-year-old woman, how that could really happen. And how your spirit has a free will to choose to turn away from the Father. So in 2008... God decided it was time to introduce himself to me. And that's the rest of my story. So one day, I was looking at a clock in my kitchen, and I saw this time, and just like that, I felt the father smile, and I felt him say, I love you, daughter. And I went, yeah, right. He did that twice every day, twice every day for months, until my spirit said, there must be something in this. The Father must really love me. If, he's, if he is making a concerted effort to come to me twice every day and show me, tell me how much he loves me. So I started then to say, okay, God, I love you too, with, uh, <laughs> with some uh, trepidation for sure. I didn't know even at that moment why I had such a hard time. I had the memory, but it didn't still make sense. So somewhere along the way, after this had been happening, he had used that time on the clock to verify, to... Uh, confirm uh, to in every part of my life there it was and my spirit started to get so excited it was there at the clock before that time every day because I knew that my father was telling me that he loved me so one day after I don't know how many years <laughs> I finally said to him okay God all right I, I get it now but, but what does that mean? But what does that mean to me? I mean, what really? <laughs> I mean, you're my father. You created me. You have to love me. You put me here. And anyway, I kind of said that for more than one day, obviously. <laughs> and one day, the revelation came that changed my life forever. The revelation was simply this. Every day for more than two years, I had been praying Psalm 91. It was part of my life for years. And the revelation was this. Psalm 91, verse 14. If I can do it. 
Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen, amen, amen. And from that moment on, from that second on, I knew that even though I didn't have all of the memory yet from heaven, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that my father loved me and that he had always been there. Amen. So sometime later, I still didn't have all the memory yet. But the Lord wanted to do more with that time. So we went away for a few days and sanctified that time with fasting, prayer, and communion. And that season of my life changed everything about who I knew I was, about what I knew I would do, and about what would be my future and what my relationship with the Father would be. And then at that moment and that weekend, the triune God became real as the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are not complete without all three. And if you think you are, then you need some healing. <laughs> I know from my own experience. So, so sometime recently, the Lord said it was time for me to see the whole memory from heaven. Now, when you're standing in heaven with the Father in the throne room, uh, it's an experience that you cannot explain. The sights, the smells, the colors, the atmosphere, the incredible angelic host that's everywhere, everything that you have read in the Bible is exactly what you see when you're there. And just that one simple thing would change you forever, but he wasn't done with me yet. So I am, again, my three-year-old little self, and I'm no longer looking at this memory. I am in it. And I'm telling the father that he can't set me there that he must hate me to put me in a place that would be so awful. And the father says to me, my child, I need you to go there. I need you to be strong. I need you to survive. I need you to live. And I need you to know that I will be with you every step of the way. And my, my heart at that point, before he said this, had closed off, and I didn't remember it until he showed me the whole memory. So he showed me my life from the womb. He, sh he showed me his hand between me and the hanger that was to take my life in my, in my mother's womb. 
And he showed me Jesus in every event of incest and ugly stuff that happened to me until after I was 10 years old. Every place I was, Jesus was with me, crying with me. He provided everything that I needed to survive. I won't go into this, but I became multiple personality in order to do that. And and he showed me every place that he was, and he showed me every tool that he gave me. And I survived so that I could be healed. And the healing process was almost as painful, almost as painful as the life that I had led up to that point. But I was so determined that I was going to get every part of me healed, that I was never going to walk in that pain ever again, that God had freedom for me at every level that I was willing to say yes, no matter how hard it was for me to do it. I said yes. You have to say yes to God if you want a life in the Lord. So I lived, I got healed, and, and you probably already know this, but you're never really all the way healed until you go to heaven. So, you know, we're all still in process of the healing. Uh, uh, you would not, I think he wants to go here. <laughs> you would not have liked me. You would not have liked me 20 years ago. I was angry, I was hateful. And I was probably the most prickly person you would ever meet. Um, I am not always um, open to prickly people because I know their stuff. But God is working on me to love everybody unconditionally because he loved me unconditionally. Rock family, and you are my family since 2015 when I walked through the door. Um, when my daughter went to heaven, you became my family, and I am so grateful for you. I love you all, even if I don't know you. I love you. <laughs> because God brought you here to this place, not just today, but this is a family. If you're looking for a family, this is it. So I want to leave you with this. If God can heal me, he can heal anyone within the sound of my voice from this moment on who will ever hear the repeats, any person that you ever know. If God can heal me, he can heal you, no matter how bad you think you are. 
There's always somebody worse than you. Always, 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 always. And no matter how hard you think you've had your life, there's always somebody that's had it harder. And I'm telling you, without a shadow of a doubt, if you will say yes to your healing, God will heal all those crappy places in your life the way he did with me. So if God can heal me, he can heal you. If God can use me, he can use you. <laughs> and all you have to do is say yes. But I'm telling you, that's the hardest word you'll ever say. The adventure from my life in 2006, when he asked me to give up everything that I had, a nice paying job, a nice apartment, a nice everything stuff, give it all up and go on the road for him and just love his kids no matter what. To trust him for my life. It has been an adventure. More than an adventure than I ever <laughs> thought that I would ever have for sure. Um, but it has been a great adventure. So I encourage you. Don't stop with God. Don't sit in your pew, your little seat every week, and, and let the worship team worship for you and the pastors preach for you and read the word for you. Don't do it because, my friends, God created me for this time frame. He put me here, not a 1,000 years ago, not a 100 years ago, because he made me, uh, you know, I'm... I think roughing it is the holiday inn. So camping and cooking and all of that is no fun for me. So he put me right where he knew I needed to be. And so if he puts you here, this is where you're supposed to be. Not 10 years ago, not 100, not whatever, here. And he puts you here. He didn't just put you here to sit in a seat. He puts you here with a specific purpose created for you alone. You are the only one that can do your assignment. I don't care if it's a secretary. The secretary assignment is different from you. And if you don't do your assignment, it doesn't get done. God created you. He set you here. He trusted you. In this time frame, oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, we're in the third great awakening. Can you not just give God a shout? Hallelujah. We... And we, uh, we just need to be on fire for the Lord because these days are counted down to the most incredible revival that our history has ever seen. And we are living in the only the second greatest time that there was. That we, if we lived with Jesus, it would have been a lot harder than we are today, let me tell you that. But that would be the only greater time in history. We are here for him, for his plan, not for ours. So I challenge you today. Today is your challenge from, <laughs> from somebody who's on the road again, leaving in three days for Australia. Um, on the road again. But I'm telling you that just do it. Just say yes, because it's the greatest adventure you will ever have. Thank you, guys. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
I told Brandy, um, she didn't have to introduce me. You guys know me. I'm awesome. I'm great. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's my bio. <laughs> Just want to welcome my friend Heather Tipton and her friend Angela. Welcome, you guys. Uh, they are from the west coast of Florida. They did escape the hurricane, praise God. They were in the healing rooms, a healing room over there, and Angela oversees the healing rooms in the state of Florida for Ken's ministry. All right, for the International Association of Healing Rooms. All right. Uh, but she did have a word of knowledge just as we were ending worship for somebody with a kidney who needed healing for a kidney and left leg. And the left leg. George, step up. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, we got a couple of left legs. Yeah. All right. All right. So we'll have Angela pray for him at the end. I was saying you for your left leg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he actually literally stepped up. I'm like, okay. Um, oh, praise God. I'm glad to be here. Sandy, great word. Thank you so much. Because it dove, the whole time I'm thinking, you know what, I think I'll just trash this and say something else, and you guys will have to endure me talking off the cuff. But that's not always a wise thing to do. But Sandy's word just dovetails right into what the Lord had put on my heart um, today. Did you want to say something? Yeah. I am. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, yeah, anyway. Uh, Sandy, where's Sandy? I'm not used to finding people in the front row. Uh, uh, go ahead and, and stand up. I, I almost did this. Uh, just stand up for a second. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, I felt like we're supposed to. Uh, you, you know, we honor God, and we honor God in people. But I just, I just felt like we were supposed to just give her honor. And so just one more time, would you stand? And uh, I just felt like, yeah, I know. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can sit back down. Now, I know we don't seek that, and if I'd asked Annie for permission to do that, she'd have said no. But sometimes God just wants to honor someone. No, you're good. Hallelujah. I love honoring people. Um, thank you, Sandy. I, what I loved so much about our word is that God is with you in every moment of your life. And you can't doubt that. Actually, um, I set my clock. Ready to go. Um, and I also want to commend the church on worship in the last, I don't know, in the last year I felt worship has just been on the rise here in the house. And in the last couple of months, even more, uh, great job, Jared and Laura, today. And I just want to commend, though, us as a body of Christ to keep leaning into that place of worship because we're going somewhere in the Lord when we do that. We're being transformed. So thank you guys for that. It makes our job up here a lot easier. <laughs> so, Lord, I just want to pray. Lord, I just pray, uh, like Sandy prayed, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. 
would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, I pray in my weakness that you would demonstrate your strength, that you would use me this morning in this moment to inspire us to go deeper and deeper in you. Thank you for Sandy and the word that she shared and the exhortation that she gave us, that you have called us for a purpose. You have made us in your image for your glory. We just thank you, God, for this opportunity to be together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you guys to know I did this speech yesterday when on my morning walk. It was brilliant, and I'm sorry you guys weren't there to hear it. (laughs) So you're going to get whatever version comes out today. I've been meditating a lot on living uh, living and developing and cultivating a vibrant heart. And I know International House of Prayer has been talking on this. But kind of like all of my journey last year, you guys have heard bits and pieces of that. I'm not going to talk on that today. I've been about, God, how can I be in you? How can I be alive in you? I do not want the most powerful emotion that I have had in this life to have been fear or a moment of anxiety. Even though I've had great moments of love, I don't want, I need more, more of you because I want to know your love more in a vibrant way in my heart so that I can say this is the most vibrant thing I've ever encountered as the living Lord. So last week, Tony shared that he began to see the word as an opportunity instead of of an obligation. And that really just kind of dovetailed into what we're talking about this morning and what I'm talking about with a vibrant heart. The word of God is an opportunity to discover who he is and awaken our hearts to the reality of who he's called us to be, why he called us, why he made us. It's an opportunity to overcome sin, shame, sickness. His word is living and active. It's everything we need to be what he's called us to be. But first it begins with us understanding how much he actually loves us. If your calling is to do nothing but sit and worship Jesus, that's the absolute highest calling. But in his graciousness, he goes, hey, why don't you uh, be a secretary for me? Hey, why don't you uh, start a Krav Maga gym? Hey, why don't you write books? Hey, why don't you start a finance business? But, the, but all of that has to really function out of us knowing that he's called us because he loves us, that he has a plan and a purpose for us in knowing his heart, that we can know his heart more. So let's start with the story of a queen and her son. You knew I had to bring in royalty sooner or later. I was like, Queen Elizabeth, to to my knowledge, is the longest reigning monarch. Tony and I were talking like, is there any other monarch who's reigned as long as Queen Elizabeth? And throughout world history, we couldn't think of anybody. And sadly for Prince Charles, that makes him the longest reigning crown prince, meaning he had to wait 70 years for his ultimate destiny. He's in his 70s, mid-70s, I believe, to be king. He's a king-in-waiting all these years. So what does he do? Just sit around and pout and go, well, I'm not king yet, so I'm not going to do anything. No, he lived his life, and he developed things in his own passions and learned from his mother, worked for the kingdom, worked for the United Kingdom um, as the family firm, as the queen called it. He, like, decided who he wanted to be as a king, so he developed his own royal mindset. So I was in a clubhouse. Um, uh, I was in a clubhouse prayer room. I was in a clubhouse. What clubhouse is that, Rachel? Um, clubhouse is a social media app, in case you guys don't know. And I go to a prayer room there a couple mornings a week. 
And after the queen died, we were praying for the royal family in the UK and just praying for her. Her death seemed significant on the earth. 70 years, and the Lord brings her home. Now we have a new king in the United Kingdom. And I thought, I wonder what Charles means. So I was on my way to looking up the name Charles, which, by the way, means free man or free son. Free son. I loved that. And I just felt the Holy Spirit descend on me. And he said, I know you've been waiting a long time, but I'm coming soon. And it was not a word for me. It was a word for the body of Christ because technically we are the longest reigning crown prince and princesses in the history of the world. We've been waiting 2,000 years to take our place with our bridegroom. We've been waiting 2,000 years for our ultimate destiny, which is not here. It's in the age to come. It's to rule and reign with him for all of eternity. We're going to marry Jesus and be in that royal position, men and women, couple of breakthrough Thursdays ago. Oh, just let me back up for that. I just felt like the Lord wanted to exhort us to keep pressing in because he's coming soon. So breakthrough Wednesday, which I encourage you guys when we have those, if you can come, they're, they're really good, especially when we have um, Jared and Laura lead worship from 11 to 1. Um, last time it was just Jared and I doing worship, but Jared played um, a melody on the guitar, and I heard the Lord begin to sing back I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. I promise you. I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. I promise you. So as crown princes and princesses that we are, how do we want to be found when he comes? How do we want our lives to be lived? Do we want to have a vibrant heart going after him, building a relationship with him? And I'm not talking about going after him in the sense of what do I do with my ministry? What do I do with my career? I'm talking about going after him like you went after someone that you loved. If you're married, how you went after your spouse. You wanted to know them. You didn't even want anybody else to be around. When I was like getting to know Tony, I didn't want anyone else to be around. My sister was living with me, poor thing. <laughs> Serious. I, I was not a big, good big sister in that moment. And I'd be like, I'm going with Tony, see you later. And she, like, knew nobody. But I wanted to know him. I wanted to be with him. And so are you, are you working on having that kind of heart with the Lord, the vibrant heart of, like, I want to know you and what you say, how you see me, then how you see others? Or do we want to be dull and bored? It's the dull and bored church that is leaving the gospel, you guys. It's the love-win crowds. Just don't worry. Live how you want to live. Do what you want to do. God is love. He's going to love you just as long as you're kind. But I got news for you. <laughs> the only love that wins is the love of Jesus. And he's coming back on a white horse with a two-edged sword in his hand with truth and justice on his thigh. Is that it? Or righteousness and truth. All those things. He <laughs> truth, justice, the heavenly way, the kingdom way, not the American way. I love, I love uh, Tony and I were leaving uh, the airport the other day, and we were coming back from Raleigh, my uncle's memorial, and we were in an airport gift shop, and they have all these cups and mugs that said, you know, try kindness, be kind. And I'm like, if only kindness worked that way. If only you could buy a mug or a T-shirt and just be kind. There is zero power in writing be kind on your chest and walking around. 
Zero. There's zero power on having your morning coffee on a cup that says, choose joy. (laughs) Why? Because it requires the Holy Spirit to do it. Holy Spirit power. It just, it really occurred to me. I'm like, where have I been? Last year it occurred to me, where have I been all this time? I've been a Christian since I was six years old. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Everything we love in our human relationship is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We can't even really function in them without the power of the Holy Spirit. And in order to function in them, we need a vibrant heart. And in order to have a vibrant heart, we got to sit at the feet of Jesus. We got to know what he says about me. Everybody's got to know what he says about me. I'm kidding. You got to know what he says about you in your heart. And then as a result, you will know what he says about everyone else. So what does it mean to have a vibrant heart? I looked up the word vibrant. It's a good place to start. I loved this definition. It says, moving to and fro rapidly, vibrating, so as to produce a perceivable sound, a vibration, a resonance, a resounding. A vibrant believer is one that has, is part of a vibrant church. Let's say a vibrant believer. All of, all of us are vibrant. We are a vibrant church. Is one that's alive, resounding, producing a sound for our love for Jesus and our love for others. We should be like producing a sound if we have a vibrant heart. When you're out somewhere and you're with your friends or family, there's something about you. There's something about the way you hold the conversation, something about the way that you exhort people, something how you choose kindness in your conversation because you have the Holy Spirit kind of kindness. Anybody can be kind to someone that you like. It's being kind to those that you don't like, which we've seen that in the last couple of years, right? We should be full of energy for the gospel and the revelation of Jesus first to ourselves and then to our neighbors and then to others. So our pursuit isn't like, hey, God, what's my ministry? Our pursuit is, God, how much can I know you? How close? There's an old Misty Edwards song, how far will you let me go? How abandoned will you let me be? How far will you let me go? How abandoned will you let me be? It says, if we're not vibrant, what's the opposite? We're going to be dull and bored. It's a lot of boredom in the church. A lot of people are bored. But David wrote in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And here's the kicker on all of this, God, guys. God is not boring. We are boring. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, you are boring. (laughs) We are boring. The dullness of church isn't coming from God. It's coming from us. Like, what if everyone worked during the week to spend more time with the Lord, to say, God, it's not enough. That's what's changed in my language in the last year and a half. It's not enough. I've done this, God. I've, I've pursued you. I've had good moments. And then it feels like, man, I'm right back where I was before. No, no, no. It's not enough. I want a vibrant heart. I want you to change me. The coming pressures of this world, you guys, the politics, the economics, the natural disasters, the sexual immorality, the fear. Fear is so on the rise. Fear will be the thing that men call for mountains to fall down on them because their hearts are locked in fear. 
And there's no pill that's going to take that away from them. There will be no answer to the coming move of God that the end of the age when, you know, we're in tribulation and trial, there will not be an answer to that level of fear except for him, except for one of those fruits of the Spirit. There'll be phobias. There's all kinds of things that hinder love. There's things in our hearts that we just are used to that actually hinder our love for God. We need to get those out. We need to ask him for a vibrant heart to remove those things. I just want to read a little bit out of what Jesus said in Matthew 24, starting in verse 4. He said, watch out that no one deceive you. Deception, big time on the rise. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive you. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war, but see to it that you are not alarmed. See to it that you are not alarmed. How do you do that? Get a vibrant heart. Such things must happen, but the end is still not to come. Because nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In our common vernacular, we might say race against race. There will be famines and earthquakes and various places. And all these things are the beginning of birth pangs. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated among the nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate one another. And they'll be deceived. Guys, we can't do that to each other. Because betrayal is the worst. We can't endure any of this at any level, at any place, in time. Who'd have thought COVID? Who'd have thought that 2020 election? Who'd have thought families don't speak to each other because one voted for Trump and one didn't? We have to have a vibrant heart in Jesus or we'll fall to this deception. We'll fall to this level of hate. I felt stirrings in my own heart that I was like, where is that coming from? We have to have a vibrant heart or we will fall away. We don't want to believe that. We will fall away. But Jesus just said, Many will have their love grow cold and be deceived and fall away. That's not Rachel saying it. It's Jesus saying it. So here's the thing, you guys. We cannot be wait until trouble comes to get a vibrant heart. We can't wait until you're in a season of anxiety and getting hit with anxiety or depression to start getting a vibrant heart. You, we can't wait until your finances are in the ditch. We can't wait until you're in a conflict with, with your uh, family member over a political decision. We can't wait. We have to start now. version Bible, everybody got one on their phone. Everybody should have version or some Bible app on their phone. There's really like zero excuse not to have a Bible anymore. If you've got a phone, you can have a Bible. Amen. Thank you, Fed. Appreciate that. <laughs> they have read the Bible in a year programs. Every year they have a different read the Bible in a year program. Listen, it's 10 minutes a day. If that, I can guarantee you, if you hate Facebook, you spent 10 minutes a day on Facebook. That's if you hate it. Or Instagram. You have time. You have time. Get that on your Bible because there's an invitation from Jesus. This is it. John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. 
How are you going to do that if you're, if you're not spending time with him or concentrated time with him or asking him, please, please give me a vibrant heart. Please show me your love. Because when he, we begin to pursue his love, we begin to pursue that violent, that violent heart. Yes, violent heart. The kingdom of God suffers violent. And the violent take it by force. Let's go for it. We want your kingdom, God. He will begin to remove all those things that hinder love. He'll begin to remove those things and, or challenge those things in your life. It's like, do you really need to be doing that? Man, last year, he removed so much selfish ambition in me in the realm of my career. Like, I, I just was, hey, I didn't care. As long as you publish my book, if you promote it, I don't care. If I have a big name in publishing, I don't care. I got to have Jesus. I, got, I don't care if I don't make money. I th- if I left money on the table by going from indie, indie to traditional, I don't care. I just got to have Jesus. If all of this gets in the way, if I have to battle envy and jealousy and selfish ambition, no, I don't want it. I want Jesus. You can have everything else. Just give me you. I loved this last year. This is one of my favorite verses. It still is. Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and active. The word of God is living and active. Sharper than a two-edged sword. By the way, Revelation 3. When we see Jesus. Actually, excuse me, Revelation 1. It's John's vision of Jesus. He says, I saw him, a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Jesus is the living word. The, the word that we're talking about in Hebrews 12 is Jesus. Sharper than a two-edged sword, able to discern, ah, guys, the thoughts and intentions of our heart, what you're thinking, what you're wanting. Divide between soul and spirit. You know, our spirit is regenerated when we're born again, but our soul needs a whole heck of a lot of work. And the thoughts and the intentions of our heart, and, oh, and joint and marrow, both joint and marrow, your body. Do you know the word of God can actually impact your physical body? Let's eat it. Let's eat the scroll, as Jeremiah said. Let's, let's be in the word. Let's use it to govern our lives. Let's use it to reckon our lives. Every area of our life can be reckoned by the word of God. I could spend another hour giving you testimony about how the word of God reckoned my life, how it directed my life, how it impacted my life, how it changed my life and directed my life. So the goal here is to go like, how do we have a vibrant heart? The first thing you can do is you got to talk to Jesus. You got to talk to him. You got to spend time with him. Don't make a big deal out of it. You don't have to um, quiet, turn out all the lights, although that might work for you. But you can talk to him just like you're talking to any other person. We were created to know him. I love this verse out of Psalm 139. David writes, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. And I will give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. In Galatians 1.15, Paul says, I was knit in my mother's womb for the express purpose of revealing Jesus. You were formed in your mother's womb for the express purpose of revealing Jesus. And you can't reveal what you don't know. Now, some of you in this room have made children. Don't you want to know them? 
Don't you want them to know you? It's a reflection of the Father. He wants to know you. He wants to tell you how he feels about you. He wants to get your heart buzzing for him and his son. Because guess what? He really, really, really loves his son. And he really, 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 really wants to glorify his son. Because his perfect, beautiful son died for ugly, messed up us. And he's inviting us into that relationship. There's no greater call. There's no higher call. We must refuse to live dull and uninspired in God. I, this, these are things that really kind of prick my heart when I hear people say them. Well, I just don't understand the Bible. Well, ask God to show you. Ask him to teach you. I was one of those people. I remember the first time I read a verse and got it and got the, the depths of it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this means that. And Tony was like, yeah, <laughs> duh. Well, I'm new to the game. Give me a break. And guys, and I was raised in a Christian home, but I just didn't have a passion for the word. But I did always know that if something was bothering me, I, would, I could go to the word and get a scripture verse and use it. I did know that. Um, I can't hear him is the other one. Well, God doesn't talk to me. Well, how often do you sit aside and give him a moment? You know, some of us talk a lot. You extroverts out there. Give him a moment. We have to learn. I had to learn how to get out of my head and get down here in my spirit man and listen there. Give him a moment. So uh, I like to lift weights and... <laughs> So I decided to get off of a machine and do free weights, bench press. And the bar itself weighed 45 pounds. <laughs> so there I am at the gym with an empty bar. I mean, the bar has no weights on it. And I'm like, oh, Tony, I think I need your help. So I, I managed three sets of 10, but boy, I was wrung out after that. But now, guys, I added 10 pounds. And I added five more. But it's been six, seven months, a couple times a week. You have to give yourself to it if you want something. You have to give yourself time in the Lord. So how do you do that? Let's get to that. How do we draw near to him? Because let's do this, guys. Let's refuse to live dull and bored in God. Let's refuse it. Let's refuse to say, I don't hear God. I don't understand the word. I don't hear him well yet. I don't understand everything yet, but I'm going to learn. I'm going to make myself available to God. Now, I've got this great divine promise for you. Here is a divine promise. I want everyone to write this down because you're going to need this in the days to come. This is so good. This is revolutionary. James 4, 8. You ready? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That is a divine promise. Those aren't empty words. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So you know what? You sit down, and you go like, mm, hmm, I'm thinking about dinner. I'm not thinking about God. And you say, hey, God, your word says you draw near. If I draw near to you, I'm, I don't know how to draw near to you, but you're probably better at drawing near to me, so... Can we, like, have some time here together? I bet you he shows up. Because he's not a liar. All right, so here's the best thing that you can do. And I, you can develop a routine. 
Set aside a time that you're going to pray. And as best you can, stick to it. When uh, COVID started, Tony said, I'm getting up at 5 a.m. And I said, okay, I'll do that too. So I got up, we got up at 5 a.m. And then he said, hey, why don't, why don't we pray at 5 p.m.? I'm like, all right. So we called it praying on the fives. So for about a year, we prayed on the fives, which, you know, when I was drafting a novel and five o'clock came and I was like, oh, good, I'm, I'm done. I got to go pray because I didn't want to write any more words. And so the, the blank page, very painful. Am I right, Heather? <laughs> so, but also, whenever you draw near, sometimes a battle ensues. Sometimes you find yourself coming up against something, but stay with it. Stay with it. So, we got up at five and prayed. Now we make coffee, I make toast, but we get in our spot and we're ready to talk to the Lord. Um, I open my Bible and I read my daily Bible. It's a routine. But it works. I highlight things. I put them in my notes on my phone. I'm, I am collecting and creating my own resources. Create your own resources. Sometimes I do walk through one of the devotions that version makes available. I pray things that stand out to me. Best way to talk to God is talk to him about what he's already written. That's the best way. Got some tools that help. I love this book, Prayers to Strengthen Your Inner Man by Mike Bickle. I highly recommend this book. And then this one, you can get, the, you can get all them on Amazon, Growing in Prayer Devotional. Love this one as well. Because sometimes we just need an encouragement to go, why are we doing this? What, what is my gain from this? We're going to gain a vibrant heart. We're going to gain a relationship where we're confident in love. When we're confident in love, we're less likely to be deceived or fall away. We have Tuesday morning prayer here at church, which, by the way, young people was started by young people. 6 a.m. Yep, 6 a.m., six days a week. We met here for a year and a half in the early 90s. Led to a little revival in the youth. But I don't want to do that again. I want to do what God's doing now. And I want to do what God's put on you guys, the youth in our midst today. I want to do what he's put on you guys to do for your generation. Because the best is not in the past. We already know that. We have Thursday evening prayer. We used to have a Thursday morning prayer, but now we have Thursday evening prayer at the Hawk House. You guys are welcome to that. I would love to see y'all teenagers there. Because it was a Thursday evening prayer that was also a part of the revival that we had in the early 90s. But I don't want to do that again. I want to do what God's doing now. And I think it has a lot to do with getting to know him, know him, having a vibrant heart. When you set yourself on a course to do this, you're going to have dull days, hard days, half-awake days, bored with yourself days. But there is power in the secret place. There is power in the secret place. And little by little, you will notice that you will change. And little by little, you will notice that he has starting to encounter you. Last year, I probably cried every day. Not the boo-hoo, sorrow tears, but the, oh my gosh, there he is, tears. Every day. Now I'm like, oh, I'm not crying. <laughs> I try to work it up. Lord, uh, what's going on? Like, I, I want you so much. I want your presence so much. Will you come? I can't, I can't live before I started encountering you last year the way I did. And it was, I didn't like the battle that was with it, but I liked his presence. 
Now, guys, here it is. You can stay status quo. We're almost done. You can be a Sunday Christian. You can read your Bible a couple times a week and say your prayers, maybe more like flare prayers. And you can still go to heaven. But if there is an opportunity and an invitation from God, from the word that Tony was talking about last week, an opportunity to know him more, to draw near to him, shouldn't we do it? Shouldn't we go for it? I want to go for it, and I want to live among a people who go for it. Because I need you guys when I'm weak. I need you guys when I'm struggling. It's about the journey more than it's about the end game. Prince Charles, it was about the journey of becoming a king more than becoming a king. Because it defines who he is as a king. It's about our journey becoming the bride of Christ. It's about that confirmation in us more than what we're actually going to do. Because we don't even know what that's all going to do yet. So set up a time to be with the Lord. Just If you leave here today, go, what's one thing I can do? Set, set aside a time to be with the Lord. Say, God, I don't want to live dull and bored in you. I want to have everything I can have in you. Pray it. Pray the word. Sing it. Say it. Write it. Repent of the little things that he puts on your heart. I was amazed that deep, 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 deep down, guys, I didn't trust him. And he exposed that to me. I knew it was true. But deep, 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 deep down, I said, God, I don't really trust you. I had little resentments related to my career. Had to get rid of them. He was going deep. He was doing a deep dive. (laughs) These aren't acceptable, Rachel, because of where we're going. I want you to be alive in me. Let's have the worship team come up. Based on Sandy's word, in this exhortation to have a vibrant heart. I just want us to take a moment to be before the Lord and asking him to have a vibrant heart, asking him for confidence to do the things that he's called us to do. Let's have a conversation about, God, am I living dull and bored? I don't want to live dull and bored in you.